Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Great blessing to be here tonight, to feel the presence of the Lord, to be able to honor Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it's my privilege to preach to you tonight from the Word of God If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. When you're with men, you need to talk about men. Can you say amen? I I had to go to the restroom before the services tonight. And so knowing that uh, the men would be there lined up, I went to the ladies' restroom. Nobody in there at all. It was wonderful. (laughs) little thing that I picked up in the travels. I was listening to uh, Sean Hannity, I think, yesterday or the day before. And uh, he had a uh, woman who was renowned as a women's liber. She's written a book. And uh, in introducing her, he made two statements. He said that in her book, uh, she's made the statement that men and women are different. How profound. I mean. <laughs> and then he made another statement that was from her book, and that is that women need men. How profound. In the passage that we're going to read and I'm going to preach from tonight is a tremendous statement from the Word of God. We're living in a generation that is in a uh, tremendous uh, crisis, a crisis of monumental proportions. And uh, this is being documented in uh, a number of books and publications that are being written. I did a men's discipleship class in Prescott. I made note of some of these publications. And uh, some of the titles of these are very, very revealing because they reveal What's happening in the generation in which we live? Let me read you some of these, uh, the, these titles. The end of men. Well, it may be the end of you, but it's not the end of me. I want to tell you for sure. One of the titles uh, is uh, the, uh, uh, how the West really lost God. And that has to do with men and their identity. Men on strike is another title. The Siege of Men is another title talking about marriage and family that uh, they're, uh, they're cashing it in. Another one is Mobility in America it has to do with the uh, job and the uh, relationship to family. Uh, another one, um, uh, God in the Details, this is on the same thing. Another one, No Honey, No Baby, No Church. So the essence of all of those books is the tremendous challenge to 
male masculinity as the Bible presents it, the role that man is to play in the kingdom of God and the church of Jesus Christ, and it deals with many of these things. And the passage of scripture I'm going to read is very controversial, and I deliberately am preaching it to be controversial. I want you to follow with me in Second Timothy, uh, or First Timothy, rather, chapter two, and beginning verse eleven. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was de- being the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue uh, in faith, love, and holiness uh, with self-control. I want to preach to you tonight about manning up. I was preaching for uh, Evert Valk in August, and as I was preaching for him, he said, uh, we're always talking about sermons and, uh, and the Word of God when I was there, and he said, Pastor, did you know that when... Uh, David was discouraged at Ziklag and he's in a crisis of life. Uh, They're talking about stoning him uh, that the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He said, do you know what the Dutch translation translates that? And I said, no. He said, the Dutch translation translates that uh, David manned up. So I want to talk to you tonight about manning up for a few minutes from this passage of scripture. First of all, I want to talk to you about the egalitarian mindset that is in our generation. Now, that's a a 40-cylinder word, and uh, we need to define that for the uh, people in Rio Linda so they'll understand that. And so uh, to have an egalitarian sense, it's a belief in human equality, especially with respect to social, political, and economic rights and privileges and social philosophies. It's advocating the removal of inequality among people. So in other words, here is what egalitarianism means. It means that everyone ought to be on a level playing field. They all ought to be the same. They all ought to make the same amount of money. No one ought to rise among anyone else and embarrass them. But they all ought to be equal. I know that the king, King Obama, said this week (laughs) that he's concerned because the people who uh, are on the lower scale. They need to be raised up into a, into a pay scale. Well, this man has no, con- uh, no concept whatever about uh, finances, and this is why we're in such a mess. Uh, and so uh, what he's talking about is that everybody ought to make the same amount of money. Well, to even make that statement shows your stupidity. <laughs> Egalitarianism is actually a communist, a socialist mindset, uh, And uh, this is wide-ranging. It has produced the entitlement mentality that people believe they're entitled to a certain level of income, a certain level of social status, a certain level in the church, and so on. And uh, uh, it has brought about the same-sex marriage, uh, insanity, uh, women's liberation, redistribution of wealth, wealth, uh, and all of that. I want to tell you that the marketplace determines what economics are going to be. 
Now, this is affecting the church. This is the reason I'm bringing this up. And uh, it is endangering the church, this mindset. And in the scripture uh, that, that is being written, Paul's writing to Timothy. He's a pastor of the church in Ephesus. And women are dominating the church. This is why this passage is written here. In 1 Timothy 2, verse 12, but I permit, I permit not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So obviously, uh, something's happening in the church, uh, and what's happening in the church is problems uh, are arising because uh, women are vocally beginning to dominate and intimidate that. And actually, the Berkeley Bible says uh, that uh, there's a domineering that's happening there. That's how the Berkeley Bible translates that. And so here's a problem. Now, there are many examples uh, of this today. I uh, read a great deal of literature. What's happening today is, is a sad, sad thing. Is that women now, just a week before last, uh, are being uh, brought to a place where they're going to be equal in combat with men in, uh, in the trenches. Now, when our nation comes to that sad place, uh, something of a monumental shift has taken place in the mentality, and uh, this is, uh, is, is being propagated as what ought to take place. Women are going to be carrying guns, they're going to be in the trenches with men, uh, and uh, this is a shame to our, uh, to our nation. They're talking about uh, the glass ceiling, the women who are in the workplace, they have a glass ceiling. They don't make as much as men do. And they're demanding they ought to have positions as chief ex executive officer in corporations. Uh, and there's a shift that's taken place in the mentality uh, and uh, family roles and gender. And this is feeding into and is what's produced uh, this mentality uh, in uh, the uh, nation in which we live. I, have a, uh, I think it's the Washington Times has an article, Weakening uh, uh, the Warriors. And what it's talking about is this business uh, of uh, men and women being mingled in the, in the military. And uh, uh, what's happening is every time uh, somebody even uh, smiles at a woman, they're, they're shouting uh, sexual harassment and it's causing a total upheaval. And it's, uh, it's actually cutting uh, the military off the knees uh, and uh, this is what's happening uh, here. Then uh, added to that is a tremendous uh, move to put uh, women in pastoral roles. In Charisma Magazine, I take Charisma Magazine to learn not, what not to do. <laughs> in Charisma Magazine, uh, one of the uh, cover, I think, is either last month uh, or the month before, George Wood, who is the leader of the Assemblies of God, he has a cover story, and he's uh, making the statement. He's going to bring the assembly of God into the modern age so that it can identify. And, uh, for instance, they're having a major conflict over speaking in tongues as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But he made a very interesting statement there, and that is that he's going to uh, cause the assemblies uh, of God to become culturally relevant uh, and they're going to begin to train, train, uh, train women for leadership uh, and pastoral role. God deliver us all. Can you say amen? amen. Say, Pastor, you don't know what you're talking Oh, yes, I do know what I was talking about. Richard Ruby was asking me some questions about my background and where I came from. And uh, I had to tell him uh, some of the 
a background that I had in the denomination. I was saved in a church that had two women pastors. So I know exactly what I'm talking about tonight. And this is the reason I'm reading this passage of scripture and bring this to you because there is a dimension that is being assaulted today. And that's manhood and the leadership of manhood in the church of Jesus Christ. If you want a good book to read, read the book, Why Men Hate Going to Church. It'll give you a tremendous enlightenment. And uh, as, uh, as I read that book for some years, I felt really nervous about, uh, I don't know how we ever got into that. Let's hold our hands and pray. And, uh, and so uh, I read that book. And when I read that book, I said, that's a reason that I feel nervous about this because men don't like to hold hands with men. Amen. <laughs> and, I, and I stopped it. So the reason that men hate going to church uh, is that women are in charge uh, of many, many, many churches. Uh, and if you want to read a book uh, that'll do that, read that book, Why Men Hate Going to Church. And another is the, 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 uh, uh, the Feminization of the Church by Leon Podol. It's an old book, but it brings it out. So here we have the Apostle Paul. He's writing, and he's writing to Timothy, and as he's writing to Timothy, Timothy is the leader of the church in Ephesus, which is a very large community of believers. And as he writes to that, he's writing because it's obvious that a problem has arisen. And that problem that's arisen is that women have begun to rise up and dominate and begin to affect the culture of the church. And it's causing a serious problem. I'm increasingly hearing about pastors' wives that are dominating the church. Now, and if your wife is dominating the church, you need to stop it right now. In the book of Revelation, the uh, uh, chapter 3 talks about Jezebel. Many commentators believe that this woman was a pastor's wife. And it makes some very profound statements there. And the statements are, I'll kill your children. Now, that's a spiritual dimension. And what it's talking about is the disciples that are there, that death is going to come upon them, makes another statement, I'm going to cast her into a, into a sick bed, and her infection is going to be contagious for male masculinity. That picture's there. You can do your own Bible study and come to that conclusion. But Paul writes specifically and says, I do not allow a woman to dominate, have leadership role in the church of Jesus Christ. And he puts it forth plain. Stay with me. Now, let's talk about this in the consequences for the kingdom of God. There's some very notable elements that are involved. In the Bible, it talks about eunuchs. Eunuchs are people who have been castrated. You know what a eunuch is? God forbid. <laughs> the imagery is of emasculated males. They serve harems of beautiful women that are in the harems of kings. The natural role has been removed from them. And in an interesting uh, statement that Rush Limbaugh has picked up, he calls many of the men that are functioning in leadership role the castrati. Well, what he's talking about is men who've lost their masculinity. They may still have the equipment, but it obviously isn't functioning. 
Ideas tonight have consequences. When you begin to think about ideas, the Apostle Paul makes a very, very strong statement in this passage of Scripture. And he says these words, for, for he's giving a rationalization, rationalization, for Adam was first formed, and he was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. This is verse 14. Now, you cannot ignore the ramifications of what he's saying there. He's justifying what he's saying. And he says, the reason that I'm saying to this, uh, this to you uh, is I'm saying this to you because uh, there is a problem. Uh, and the problem is uh, that, uh, the, uh, uh, the, that, the, that, that the men have abdicated the responsibility uh, that they have. So men are abdicating the role that God has given to them in the Bible, the responsibility. Uh, I think it was Joe Camel. I'm going to blame this on Joe. Maybe it isn't him. He's here, but I'm going to blame it on him anyway. And uh, uh, it is uh, uh, Michael Jackson, who is the poster boy of this generation, who sang and grabbed his crotch. You know, <laughs> He's the poster boy. The reason he's grabbing it is he wants to see if he still has them. So here's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul makes this tremendous statement, and we cannot ignore the principle that he puts forth because women are not to be put in leadership roles nor function in leadership ministry. And there is other writings which says there is a spiritual vulnerability which they have. Now, I know if you're a fan uh, of uh, some of these women preachers, uh, uh, you ought to get a hold of Robert Polacco's little uh, uh, three-minute video. I mean, it's a classic, uh, and he shows four women preachers and does a little, uh, a little uh, uh, scene there, and uh, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll bring your women preachers down to level when you see that. So there's a spiritual dimension that's involved there and a vulnerability because there is a dominion and a role that they do not fit. And in this, uh, the, some of these articles that I read, it makes this quote, says, men are boycotting marriage and fatherhood and the American dream and why. Now, this is serious business because we're not just talking about something that's happening in society. We're talking about something that's affecting the church of Jesus Christ because this mentality is very powerful and it is in society at large. And as you go out and pastor churches, as you go out and pioneer, you run into this and it's a very strong spirit and we need to think about that as we're there. Manning up. Think about this for a moment. Let me read you this quote for a moment, uh, if I could. Uh, the most important issue, one of these articles says, is not uh, the gains that are made by women, uh, but the displacement of men. Now, this is a very powerful statement, uh, and it's very serious uh, uh, about uh, what it's talking about. So let me read a couple of three quotes, if I could, from uh, this passage, some of these articles. It says, American culture, as expressed through its laws, media, and the educational system, has become hostile to men and boys. Let me say that again. American culture, 
as it's expressed through its laws, its media, and its educational system has become hostile to men and to boys. I'm not sure if I, uh, if I read this quote I could have in another men's rally. I'm not sure. You know, I've preached so many places. I don't know if I preached it yesterday, last week, or ever. And so and let me give you this quote. This is a classic quote. This is talking about what's happening to men. And it's headlined, uh, Young Men, the Permanent Adolescent. And uh, the article says, uh, Where have the good men gone? Says Kay Heimowitz of the Wall Street Journal. Only a few generations ago, most Americans, uh, uh, men, achieved the major milestones of adulthood, education, employment, marriage, and fatherhood while they were still in their 20s. Nowadays, uh, as neatly crystallized uh, in the films of Judd Apatow and Seth Rogen, the average 20-something U.S. male is an aging frat boy in a hipster t-shirt who spends his days chasing women, smoking weed, playing video games, and failing to pursue anything approaching a career. What a profound statement that that is. Can you say amen? Because that's not written uh, loosely. That's written by observation of watching what's happening to American males and beginning to make that uh, comment. Listen to this quote for a moment. Instead of blaming men, and ridiculing the lifestyle of those who have failed to launch. Smith explores the idea that men may be making a purposeful, even rational choice in rejecting a society that has already rejected them. So here we have this dynamic that's coming forth. That dynamic is to strip men of their manhood. This begins early on uh, if, if you have a boy and he's a normal boy, how many of you know that normal boys are filled with hormones? They're filled with testosterone uh, and they're just normal boys. But if they're normal boys today, uh, uh, you have to uh, begin to uh, give them medication to slow them down because uh, boys are boys. Can you say amen? Girls are girls and boys are boys. What a tremendous revelation this women's liberty discovered that there's a difference between men and women. Why, what a revelation that is. But you see, this generation, if you've got a normal boy, he's aggressive and uh, he, uh, he acts like a boy, then they want to put him on medication and slow him down. And this is the generation which we live. It begins in grade school, but it doesn't stop there. It moves on through and it's, it's now invaded the military so that it's upsetting the normal, aggressive how many of you know what the military is? Military is to train killers. You know what killers are? These are people who go out and kill people to protect countries. Can you say amen? Yeah. Now, some of you limp first. Oh, oh, you're talking about shooting people. Yes. <laughs> I was in... Uh, I was in Australia some years ago, and when I used to have time, I used to go out and and uh, and uh, and shoot rat jackrabbits, and so it was a great sport. God put jackrabbits on the earth for preachers to to relieve their frustration. And so I was just with some men. I'm talking. This woman was was overhearing, and her eyes got about this big, and she said, "You kill them." <laughs> 
I said, of course we do. That's what we go for. <laughs> Listen to this quote for a moment. As a result, a growing number of men are opting out of, though shrugging off may be the more apt term, some of the traditional roles. They're less likely to be pursuing marriage, fatherhood, education, and even economic success than in days past. And as a result, uh, the country's being drained uh, of necessary resources uh, and uh, talent. Another quote says, men's existence is curtailed not solely in the public square, but also often in their own homes. Where women control the main living space in most houses, uh, men and their uh, interests and hobbies are often uh, relegated to the basement in what commonly is referred to as a man cave. So here we have it, and this is the challenge of the hour. Let's think for a moment now about the scripture that I just read. This scripture is not something that Paul didn't have anything to write about, and he thought, I'm just going to throw this in there. He's writing because he's seeing a trend in the church of Ephesus and he's writing to Timothy and he's writing to Timothy. He said, I want you to bring this into balance. And here's the challenge because God has a pattern and God has a role for men. Very clearly in the scripture, women's role is as a wife and a mother. Verse 15, she shall be saved in childbearing. Now, I'm not sure all that that means, but it means something. Can you say amen? Amen. And essentially what it means is her natural role is as a wife and a mother and a homemaker. And this is her natural role. And I'm not advocating this evening that you take on a macho Latin, you know, big dude stuff. I'm not advocating that you take on a Muslim have four wives and, and suppress them all. I'm not, uh, I'm, not advocating, uh, I'm not advocating that you take a Hindu uh, stance toward women. I'm not taking the redneck stance. The redneck stance is keep them pregnant and barefooted and you'll have to tell the problem. <laughs> but I am saying that this means something tonight. Can you say amen? And here's the challenge I'm bringing to you from the word of God is biblical manhood. Look at this text for a moment because very clearly in the Bible, God intends a man to be the head of the house. He intends the man to have the priesthood role in the family. That's clearly drawn out in the, in the scripture. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3 says, Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be uh, hindered. So this is a very powerful statement. First, uh, first Peter uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 7. Dwell with them with understanding. What this means is uh, your responsibility as a man is to study your wife. You need to find out what makes her tick. And one, one evangelist said, and also find out what ticks her off. So 
If, if you want to have a successful role that you fulfill, you have to study your wife. That's what this word understanding, you dwell with them with understanding. You have to study what makes them tick. But her role is as a homemaker and as a wife and as a mother. And the husband's role is a breadwinner and a protector. This means that you are to strive a discipline in yourself, your own life. This means that you are to uh, put forth the effort to excel. Many, many men today uh, are being bypassed. One of the articles that I have are how women are, are educating themselves. There's nothing wrong with educating yourself. Uh, but they are bypassing now their husband. They earn more money than he does. Uh, and that's causing a major upheaval uh, and a major disturbance and a shifting of roles in homes in America. And God intends you to excel. And this is a discipline that you can learn. This means that you're going to have to put forth the effort to be the breadwinner. Many men today, as long as they can get a paycheck, they're, they're, they're happy. One of the, we have businessmen in our church. One of their major complaints is they cannot find anyone that wants to work. You know, you, know what, you know what a job is? A job means that you say, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, work for eight hours. I'm going to get eight hours of pay. Uh, that, how quaint and old-fashioned that is today. Amen. But I want to tell you, I'm challenging you tonight. You know, some of you may work at jobs. Uh, many, many times men say, well, this is a dead-end job. There is no job that's a dead-end job. I want to tell you that the disciplines that you learn... In jobs that are difficult, in employers that cause you various kinds of struggles, do something in you that pays big dividends down the road because a man who will apply himself, a man who will strive to excel in his job, a man who will strive to help his, his employer, uh, this, you say, well, my, my boss, uh, he, he ignores me. He doesn't ignore me. I want to tell you that, uh, that your boss doesn't rule the world. See, we're talking about God. Can you say amen? And we're talking about God. God is involved. And when believers uh, will begin to lay hold of God, it moves them into another dimension. They're not locked into the limitations of their own mind, their own ability. Uh, they have something that is supernatural, something that is powerful, something that God will work in their behalf. I've seen it over and over and over again. That means that you need to educate yourself about your job, how you can better your job, uh, how to perform in your job, uh, and uh, God will help you to become a valuable worker. And whether that plays out today or tomorrow or next week, it will play out, uh, and it will make you the breadwinner that you need to be in your family if you do that. Many years ago, you may have heard me say this, Pastor Harold Warner was working at Food Queen Market in Prescott, Arizona. And as he was working there, he came to me one day and he said, Pastor Mitchell, he said, I'm getting nowhere on my job. They won't give me a pay raise. I'm, I'm working hard. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm doing everything that I can. And, and he said, it just looks like it's a dead end. And they're not recognizing. And I said, Harold, let me tell you something. No one ever works for someone else. He's always working for himself. 
You need to apply yourself. You need to be faithful to that. And you will, won't always be in that job, in that circumstance. And I have no doubt that the disciplines that Pastor Warner learned on that job are playing out today as he's become one of our lead pastors in a powerful leadership role and reaching people for Jesus Christ because no man ever worked for someone else. He's always working for himself. And if you'll, if, if you'll understand that, he'll change how you approach life. I want to talk to you about family responsibility for a moment as I talk about manning up. There's a family responsibility that you have. This is why 1 Peter 3, 7 is written. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers should not be hindered. Ephesians 5, verses 25 and 26, as husbands love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with a washing of water by the word. Most women are looking for a man who has his head screwed on right, who will treat her with dignity and will demonstrate to her that he has her best interest at heart and he's trying to do what is right for the family. Most women, that's what they're looking for. I know that your wife probably is different, but I, most women are that way. <laughs> Take my word for it. Family responsibility. So here we have this issue. We're in a, an arena tonight of men. If every man in this arena tonight would actually take to heart your role, you begin to apply yourself and you begin to demonstrate to your wife uh, the leadership, uh, the disciplines, uh, the tenderness, the love, uh, uh, the sound-mindedness in the decisions that you make, you will revolutionize the churches uh, that you're out of uh, and it will powerfully impact uh, our society. Let me read you a little poem, if I could, for a moment. It says, God, give us men. Oh, may that resonate with you. We've got enough wimps in the world. <laughs> Can you say amen? We've got enough of the castrati, as Rush Limbaugh says, in the world. Men who are acting like women. What we need is men. Listen to these words of an old poem. God, give us men. The time demands strong minds, great hearts, true faith and willing hands. Men whom the lust of office does not kill. Men whom the spoils of office cannot buy. Men who possess opinions and a will. Men who have honor. Men who will not lie. Men who can stand before demagogue, condemn his treacherous flatteries without winking. Tall men sun-crowned who live above the fog in public duty and in private thinking. For while the rabble with their thumb-worn creeds, their large professions and their little deeds mingle in selfish strife, lo, freedom weeps, wrong rules the land, and waiting justice sleeps. Here then is the challenge that I want to give you. What we need today is some men with spiritual Viagra. Come on. <laughs> Can you say amen? amen? 
We have many men who suffer from spiritual erectile dysfunction. <laughs> what we need is men that will man up. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 16, 3, quit you like men, be strong. Quit you like men or act like men, be strong. This is a powerful, powerful statement and may God drive this into the depths of our heart that we really, really understand what this means. Men are the challenge of the hour. Men are not obsolete. Women must have men. They always must have men. Can you say amen? And here's this woman's liber writing this book. And she finally has come to the conclusion and an honest at heart that women do need men. Yes, they do. But they need men that will be men and not boys. They need men who will not be grabbing their crutch to see if they're still functional. Very interesting little uh, story I want to tell you some years ago. The, the uh, tale came, came to us, said uh, this certain individual and this uh, girl, uh, they spent the night together. So uh, we did a little investigation about that. And so in inquiry, we uh, said, uh, look, as this has come to us that uh, you, you spent the night together. Said, well, yes, we did. And uh, so uh, tell me about that. Well, we, we spent the night, uh, all night in bed without our clothes on, but, uh, but nothing happened. I said, that worries me a lot more. <laughs> that, that worries me a lot more than if something had have happened. Well, the difficulty that we have in the generation in which we are is here. The world is before us, men. Such tremendous opportunities, the great uh, privilege that I have of being able to travel, be in, in various uh, nations, various uh, settings of, of people, and see the glorious working of God powerfully. Most of you have no concept of the wonderful, wonderful blessing. As we're sitting in this building, look at this. There are men clear to the back wall in both, in both the overflow in the first night. And there's more on their way. They'll be here tomorrow. They're going to have to sit on the floor. Amen. Thank God for that, can you say amen? Most of you have very little uh, understanding of the glorious, glorious work that God has done in touching men, attracting their hearts. And most of these men are men that understand what I'm saying tonight and want to do something for God. I want to tell you the opportunity that we have is totally beyond grasp. I was telling some of the men, I was able to preach with Pastor Campbell over in London and a couple of places. And, and uh, it's very interesting, last October, I went into uh, Chilliwack, Canada and preached for David Marks in his conference. This is a white congregation. There were three black people in it uh, and they were from Toronto, Mike Webb's church. White congregation. 
I took my wife to the airport the next morning, flew to London, England, preached for Peter Ajala in South London. This is a black congregation. Three white people in that. <laughs> I flew from that on Thursday down to San Antonio, Texas and preached for Richard Ruby in his conference. Uh, largely Hispanic people. And I thought to myself, God, what a wonderful, wonderful thing that you're doing that we're able to see all cultures, all colors, uh, all kinds of people. Hallelujah. What a wonderful thing you do. And not only that, but I look out at the age of these people. Most of you are in the prime of life. You have decades to Jesus Terry before you to do a work for God and the opportunities are unlimited if you will simply lay hold of the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to challenge you and man up tonight. Man up. That means be a man. Simply take the role that God has given to you Faithfully lay hold of God. Let the Holy Spirit begin to bring forth the graces, the gifts, uh, the blessings, uh, the focus that you need, the dedication that it demands, uh, the time that it requires to bring it forth, uh, the study and the surrender to the Holy Spirit. Uh, only God knows what God can do with just this group of people, and this is just a small representation of what God is doing as he's raising up men. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.